0: We are back with Seasoned. I am Krista Briel, your host for Live Salton's podcast. Today, we are starting a new podcast series called Cultivating Legacy. We thought this would be a fit series as we are heading into our seventh conference tour called Legacy, which we are just so excited about. Our first conference is happening in Seattle, Washington on February 5th, and our second conference is happening down in Orange, California on March 19th and we would love to have you guys join us. All the information can be found in our show notes for that. But for today, we get to hop in where we're gonna to talk to my friend Kelsey Nerland all about the joy and purpose and necessity of processing and reflecting. So with that, enjoy today's show. Well, welcome everyone back to our new series called Cultivating Legacy. Today, I'm going to have my dearest friend, Kelsey Nerland, on the show with us. To me, Kelsey is a friend I've always been able to go to, ask me the hard questions, to help me sit in the pain of situations, not run over and run through them. And she's someone who, whenever I leave my time with her, I truly feel more aware of the Lord and more hungry to see him working in my life. She has this really uncanny and sometimes strange ability to see God work in things that I would never ever see him work in but it's just such an inspiring way to live life because it's our choice to see God moving in our midst or not it all comes down to our own decision to look for it. with that Kelsey hello welcome to the show oh
1: Krista thank you for having me such sweet words I love you so much so
0: yeah what are you doing with life love you too what are you up to <laughs> where are you working can I get a little snapshot about who you are
1: Yeah, so I was originally born and raised in Southern California in Orange County in a small town called Tustin. Went to Azusa Pacific University for undergrad, loved my experience there. And shortly after undergrad, I um, went to Seattle University to get my master's in student development and administration. So essentially working with college students outside the classroom. Right after grad school, I did the the predictable thing. Instead of getting a full-time job and settling down, I decided to be a missionary for a year and went overseas in this program called The World Race, where I was a missionary in 11 countries in 11 months. That's really where the Lord just totally changed me in so many ways. I walk away from that experience just so deeply aware of how God is at work among the nations and in my own life. Yeah. Almost like even what you were saying before of like things that I didn't give the Lord credit for. Just saw him working in so many ways in that. And so, yeah. And then shortly after uh, the world race, I ended up getting a job uh, back in Seattle. So moved back and worked for The Inn, which is a ministry that works in U District and through University Presbyterian Church, which is where I met Krista. And we were coworkers at the time. Yeah, we were. And Gosh, just glory days working at the inn. It was lovely. Worked there for four years as the missions coordinator, leadership development coordinator. Just got to walk with college students. And what a gift that was. And then the Lord unexpectedly <laughs> plucked me out of that. There's a whole story about how... The Lord called me out of something and I didn't have a job lining up Hmm. (laughs) afterward, but I said yes to the Lord, not knowing what came next. The Lord provided tenfold. Now I get to say that I work for Reach Church and I am the director of the college ministry, the intern program, and the young adults program. And so its it has been a whirlwind, but that's kind of a brief summary of where I'm at, what I do and all that good stuff.
0: You've got a lot going on in your life. <laughs> <laughs> and being your friend, I know that you crush all those areas too. You do such a good job, Kels. I'm curious, where do you think in your life you first found this desire to be a person who processes your life so deeply? Where did that first come from? I would say it really came out of a situation
1: of pain, which it wasn't like this natural thing for a really long time. I would say all throughout high school – Really all growing up, I was go, 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 doing every single extracurricular, moving on with life, a rushed pace. And then when I got to college my freshman year, it was almost like like a holy halt, if you will, where the things in my life that I built my life on all kind of came crumbling down of like even identity, who I was, my major, my passions in life, where I saw my life going, my family, my friends, just so many things that I had built my life and identity on kind of came crashing down my freshman year. And I found myself really alone and lonely. I had a leadership position at the time in the residence hall I was in. The mentor of mine just kind of like saw me in that place. And, you know, she was trying to help me process like where I was at in life, what I was doing, the decisions I was making, my thought process behind things. And I remember she said, she was like, where have you felt closest with the Lord, like ever? And I was always like, okay, at a camp um, during solo time, that's where I feel the Lord's closeness. And she's like, okay, like what about that time? And I, and I you know, talked about being in nature, I talked about just going through different questions, I talked about pause, I talked about the unhurried rhythms, right? Just getting to be with Jesus. And she said, you can do that anywhere. You don't have to just do that at camp. You can do that every single day. It was so simple, but a moment like that really, for me, woke me up to, I can devote time with the Lord every single day and have almost that camp high every single day.
0: <laughs> I'm nodding. I remember and... that situation so much in my own life. It's like, I was a total camp girl <laughs> growing up. And then I was like, wait, I don't have to wait until like the last night of camp when like, everything is such a huge emotional situation to feel God. I can tuck away whenever I want to, to go be with Jesus. So I feel you on that a lot. Yeah.
1: Yes. And it was in like the depths of my loneliness where the Lord became my best friend, um, where I was able to depend on him for understanding. I got so deep in the word. I remember really loving Solomon at that time, which is kind of like a weird thing, but I really just admired Solomon's wisdom And I think for me at the time, there were so many unknowns in the future and I would kind of was, it was just this posture of surrender where I was like, Lord, like I don't have to be the best at whatever I do or achieve all these things. But like, if I can delight in your wisdom and experience a glimpse of like your heart for people, that's what I want. It was so simple, but I really feel like that kind of switched the trajectory of even like time in college, purpose. The things that I ended up signing up for, the decisions I made to, you know, move to a new state or move across the globe. And that's really framed really everything for me. So I think that's where it kind of started. The origin stories, if you
0: will. Yeah, that's amazing. That makes so much sense. And you said early on that it came from a place of pain. And I think that's oftentimes how a lot of the growth in life happens. We don't always like emitting it, but there's so much growth that comes through hard seasons, especially when you sit in those hard seasons with Jesus. So from a high level kind of point of view, well, how would you describe or define the idea of processing?
1: Yeah. Um, and even just going back on what you were saying, the thing I live my life on is it takes a good fall to know where you stand. I feel like time and time again, that's always what happens of like there's a fall and there's purpose in it. And it's not that the Lord intends for us to fall, but the Lord can use it. I don't know. It's just, there's just like beauty in, in the pain. I think that's why I see so much purpose in it. And even like, as you're asking of like, okay, like what does it even look like to reflect? I remember Krista, you and I were just texting back and forth about this podcast and you'd kind of brought up this question of what's the difference between processing and reflecting? I was thinking about it and I was like, I think processing is different than reflecting. I think when it comes to reflecting, I think that we can look back kind of reflect on an experience almost like at large and say, oh, that was great. Or, oh, that was hard. And we kind of identify almost like a simplistic, you know, sentence or phrase to that experience. But then when I think about processing, it's almost like unpacking that moment that we were looking back on. I almost think of it as like looking for the buried treasure of what are the things that almost just because of the nature of life where we go, 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 on to the next thing, we rarely take the time to look back and reflect. I know in my own heart, when I actually take time to look back and reflect, that's actually where I experience the most peace because if I'm just looking forward at every single circumstance, And I don't actually take time to like reflect and remember the goodness of God or where he showed up or the kindness of my friends or how sweet my boyfriend is or like things like that. I'm actually taking a lot of that for granted because I'm just so forward focused. This is like the smallest example, but just I'm all about like practicalities and how to make this actually tangible. I can reflect that, um, you know, I went skiing with my boyfriend yesterday. Super fun. I can reflect back and say like, oh yeah, we got stuck on a ski lift for 15 minutes, like whatever kind of thing. And I can look back and, you know, overall have like lightness, but I think, you know, even this morning as I, uh, I've been trying to get into this habit of writing three things that I'm grateful for each morning, just to wake my brain up. Like instead of going on my phone, going on social media, like I've been looking at the first of the day, which is helpful to wake my brain up, but actually like writing down three bullet points of things that I was grateful for yesterday actually causes me to have Yesterday, you know, might've had some really hard things, but there is still things I can be grateful for in the midst of it, of things I would have overlooked, uh, things I would have taken for granted. And so anyway, so as I was writing down, you know, my three things this morning, I was able to like look back and reflect on, oh my goodness, like my boyfriend Merrick was so encouraging yesterday and you know, it was like the first time that we had skied in a year. And so definitely like a warm up trial, if you will. (laughs) And I was really having a hard time on the moguls. (laughs) And when I actually process it, I'm like, oh my gosh, he coached me through those moments. He was so encouraging and uplifting and patient. My goodness, he was so patient with me yesterday. And it causes me to have a deeper appreciation for him, right? And I think That's also what our time with the Lord can look like, where when we look back and reflect on how God has showed up from even the day before, it causes us to have a deeper appreciation for God. And it causes us almost to just like burst out with like, oh my gosh, like God was there all along. God, Emmanuel means God with us. And we can like, when we actually look back and reflect and remember, we can actually remember those moments that he was with us. And so I think that that's why reflection is so important, because I think we can miss it if we don't
0: mm-hmm. make space for it. Yeah, no, it's so true. I have a friend that says, like, when I tell her what happened in my day, I'll go through all the facts about the day. And then she'll ask, well, what's your commentary, Krista? And I'm like, okay, because I think uh-huh. I'm someone who just like kind of shared the facts about life and not actually get to the deep processing side of things. It's frustrating at times because I guess I'll ask you, why do you think people don't want to actually process the past and they want to keep moving on to the next thing? do you have any thoughts around that?
1: You know, it's so fascinating and
0: (laughs) this isn't going to be the most
1: jovial thing I ever say, but like this world is full of a lot of suffering. When we're constantly met with disappointment and frustration and the fallenness of broken humans and unjust structures and just, just the suffering of this world, right? I think to make space to look back at something that could maybe be marked as suffering, that's a lot of time and energy. And I think when, especially too, we're on in survival mode, a lot of us, especially coming out of the pandemic or just in the midst of the pandemic, we're in survival mode. And so to even make space to reflect, it feels almost exhausting. It feels like we're opening a can of worms. And so almost like, I think that in our minds, we think it's going to be a lot of work in order to almost counteract that of like, maybe taking baby steps towards it. Maybe reflecting on something for an hour feels like nails on a chalkboard to you. Like, I don't know. But what does it look like to take baby steps? And maybe that's like, oh, what are three things that happened yesterday? And what did that make me feel? Or, you know, what was hard about that? Or why did I respond the way that I did? Or what caused me to like smile yesterday? Like things like that. Maybe it's maybe it's some baby steps. But I think that we almost get Paralysis about, like, oh, what would that be like if I did open that can of worms? But I think the thing I've learned in life is like, when I open it up, it actually allows for me to have more power over that situation than that situation having power over me. And I think that, you know, whenever we're talking about the power of, even naming things. I feel like there's so many people that are talking about this right now. And this has been something that's been like a Mm -hmm. mantra for me in life for so long, but, um, the power of externalization and, you know, when we have things that happen and we actually don't make space to process it or reflect it, it can just sit in us and, you know, that's where we toil and we fester and different thoughts come up and we entertain those thoughts and it changes the way that we view people. It changes the way that we view God. It changes the way that we view ourselves. It changes the way that we view our situation or even like the things that the Lord has blessed us with. Like we can almost because we've allowed these situations to toil and fester, they kind of just sit and it doesn't just sit, it just impacts everything. And sometimes we have physical responses out of that. Sometimes we have emotional responses out of that, right? The whole notion of like pain that's not processed gets projected. And I think that that's such a subconscious thing that happens. And I think that that it's so unintentional, but it, it just kind of leaks out of us in not great ways, right? when we actually make space to reflect and process, We're able to like bring those things out of us and almost like exposing the darkness into the light and the light will expose it for what it is. And Mm -hmm. suddenly we feel like that darkness has lost power over us. We actually get to have power over that darkness because we've allowed the light to speak into it. And so that's the beauty of mentorship and allowing, you know, wise voices to be able to speak into our situations. That's the power of allowing friends to speak into our lives. That's the power of, you know, giving something to Jesus, right? Right. He asks us to cast all of our burdens on him because he cares for us. That's not just like a, oh, I hope you do this. It's like actually necessary in our walks with him to give him everything, to bring things to Mm -hmm. his feet, to allow him to speak truth over those things. Because so often in life we settle for lies and we settle for, well, this is just how it is. Mm -hmm. This is how my brain has made sense of this. This is what's true. Instead of actually like, Lord, what do you have to say about this? What actually happened here? What do you want me to know about this? And I think it's actually when we bring that dark. Darkness into the light, allowing the light to expose it of what it is. That's where so we good, experience guys. breakthrough. So good. And so I think for me, even in my time of processing and reflecting, it's like what feels maybe like an intimidating thing ends in breakthrough. And that's worth it because I walk out more. That was free. so
0: good. That was really so good. Thanks. I think it resonates oh, with Lord, parts because it is hard. Like it's not, it's different kinds of work. I think when I sit here and I think, Krista, why don't you sit down and you slow down and you do more processing in your own life? For one, it feels like it's a waste of time at times. It feels like it's not effective or efficient. For me to address emotions means I have to slow down and actually face things instead of just keep moving forward and working on the next thing to get accomplished. And so in my head, it's like, I would much rather work at getting a task done than work at my own emotions, which is not where I want to be at all um that's a really fascinating kind of process through that and so hearing just the beauty that comes when you do slow down to reflect it's just a good reminder to like this is the reason why we need to do this and then too i think it's like looking at it from the enemy perspective it makes so much sense when he would tantalize you or he tempt you away from actually wanting to reflect over your life say well it's not restful. So maybe you go watch TV and instead. You really do just need to sit here and process your own life. So you don't keep having this like buildup of emotions even processed through yet. Kelsey, okay, so you brought up the idea of bringing in mentors and friends into your life. And so what would you say the balance is processing with the Lord versus your friends? Is there an order of operation between those two things?
1: Well, even too, it's like going into this, like what you're saying is Totally, totally valid. And it's a lot of work, right? And kind of like the way that I think of it is it's either going to be a lot of work to repair how a lot of that stuff has gotten projected, or it's work that is proactive, right? And so I think with processing, it can be proactive or reactive, which that is the gift of mentorship. That's the gift of friendship. That's the gift of bringing things to the Lord is that we can do things to allow it to be more proactive than reactive. Obviously life is going to happen. You know, we are not perfect beings, right? We're fallen. And sometimes we're going to say things and that we don't really mean. And like Luke 6, 45, I think it's um, like what overflows out of the mouth comes from the heart, right? And so sometimes we say things that we don't mean and we're like, man, I wish that I just did not say that. And what we can't control of our mouths, you know, we can control and repair. A lot of that is reactive work. But even like as you're talking about friends, mentors, bringing things to the Lord, what's the order of that? Um, I think for me in my time with the Lord each morning, why I make space to reflect and it doesn't have to be for an hour, right? I think, yeah, again, we get so like we psych ourselves out with it's like, so oh true. my gosh, yep. I this is going to be so much work and set a timer for 10 minutes give it to God, at least you can know, okay, at least some part of that was touched, like wonderful. But I think for me, and this is my own experience, take it with a grain of salt, but, or salt it, (laughs) either one. Um, I think for me, waking up in the morning, my time with the Lord, yes, that looks like, you know, either three points of gratitude or God, where did you show up yesterday that maybe I'm not giving you credit for? And just giving myself space to like allow my mind to wander and think about things from the day before. As I'm kind of giving those things to Jesus, that helps me almost just get like his perspective for things. And that's our tendency, right? Like we want to talk to the people that are right in front of us because they can respond to us right away. And it it takes time to cultivate hearing from the Lord, right? You know, when something happens in life, my first tendency is to text a friend about it, or text my boyfriend about it, or text a mentor about it, or, you know, ask questions or call someone up. And yes, that is great. And that is the beauty of fellowship. Two, we can be really quick to I don't know. It's almost like that secondhand intimacy thing where we can allow our friends to be the voice of God in our lives Mm. and actually put more authority in our friends' voices than actually what God thinks. So that, you know, let's just say a situation happened. I bring some of friends into it and then I go to God with it. Sometimes... My perspective will be shifted based on what my friends have said versus what God has said. And yes, those friends might be totally spirit-filled people, but also they're still not God. And so what does that look like for me to almost... Like when something happens, and it's an intentional muscle, right? To like build. This isn't something that's like, oh, I'm going to do it once and then I'm going to do it forever. It's like going to the gym. You can't expect to go once and be swole overnight, right? Like you have to work at it. When it comes to you know, even like, let's just say something happens. What does it look like for me to pause in that moment and say, give God glory for it? Wow. Like, thank you, Jesus, so much for this. Giving ourselves that space to (laughs) even just experience the weight of that and give that to Jesus. Or, you know, if something happens and maybe it's something that's really unfortunate, even giving space to be like, God, I need you in this. And it doesn't have to be this like long-winded prayer. just can be like, God, I need you. And then, what does it look like to you know call a friend after? But I think when we give things to the Lord, I think it almost just like reestablishes that the Lord is our first, yeah. that He's our best friend, that He is the mighty counselor. Right? Like, <laughs> I love my friends, spirit people. I love the people in my life, but the voice of God is unreplaceable. Mm-hmm. God can show show me things that not even myself or my experiences or the people in my life or the most wise people in my life could ever replace. It's the Lord's voice that tenderizes me. It's the Lord's voice that speaks meaning Mm -hmm. out of situations, even just a glimpse of like, God, what do you think about this? And just like the first thought that I hear, and obviously, you know, it has to make sure that it aligns with scripture, that aligns with the character of God, that it is something that is life breathing, I guess, or just would be in alignment with God's heart. That first thought of like, what's the whisper that he speaks back to you in that moment. And I think that, um, making space for those moments has cultivated a deeper intimacy with the Lord than just like a daily devotional time. Right. (laughs) Like it's like all day things happen or even just like sometimes for me as a college pastor, I'm in conversations with students where I'm like, Lord, I I have no idea what to say. And just in the back of my head, I'll just just ask the Lord for help and guidance. And then something comes out of my mouth and I'm like, well, that was not me. That was the Lord. And I think that that's the beauty of bringing things to Him. And it's a constant, like constant bringing things up to
0: Him um, and inviting Him in. Yeah. Even just sitting here right now, I'm like, I want to doing this much more than doing it right now. And I think that point you kept making of it's just intimidating thinking about spending an hour with him where it's like, it doesn't need to be an hour. It's like, if I need to talk to a friend in the flesh, because sometimes we just need to have someone respond to us right away. It's like asking God to like, give me his eyes and his ears before going into that conversation to actually see that with him being there as well. I just, I think it's the enemy. I think he really wants us not to process stuff because I do think if we were to actually <laughs> ponder what it is that God does in our life, and how he shows up for us constantly and how he's always pursuing us, I think it would be pretty unstoppable human beings. And not unstoppable in the sense of, like, we're not going to ever stop to think about life and slow down, but, like, unstoppable in the sense of, like, the lies and the attacks from the enemy and the things that make us just want to, like, curl up and, like, quit. We'd have so much more arsenal against those things because the Lord is going to be constantly speaking into our mind and constantly reminding us of truth and constantly showing us how he's already shown up in our lives <laughs> beforehand. And yeah. I just think I needed to hear this today because a lot mm-hmm. changes. like the end of the whole year, right? Well, here we are at beginning of 2022. You have a whole entire year ahead of us. It's like, how do we start on the right foot of like, how can we commit this year? Sure. If you want to get more healthy or eat better or whatever it is. How do I commit this year? to be like? I want to ponder life with Jesus this entire year. I want to put in goals or boundary lines or little intentional habits like three things in the morning to be grateful for to really sit and ponder how God shows up because this could be the best year for all of us in our faith this could be the year that we become this like new fighting standing firm kingdom warrior for Jesus because we are so aware of what God's done in our life maybe for me too it's like accepting the fact that it's okay to be inefficient to be with Jesus which I think is probably a big thing that I need to sit with as well We wanted to take a quick moment to interrupt today's episode to remind you about our new Reflect and Expect course. We actually just launched our printed workbooks that take our PDF course and make it all available to you to even write on, draw on, doodle around, scratch off, dream, process, pray through, and we are so excited about them. If our R&E course is new to you, it is a four-part course where two parts look back over 2021, with activities and listening prayer, as well as the final two parts look forward to 2022 and ask the lord to speak into your heart and your soul and your mind help you dream of what is to come in the next year both of those courses can be purchased online and we hope you took them out with that let's get back to today's show so Kels, something that you also do really well is you mm-hmm. do the best at holding two different emotions at one time and so as people think back over 2021 we can imagine there has been probably a lot of good, a lot of bad, and probably a lot of things they want to forget and things they want to always remember or think back upon. So how do you in your life, slash how can you help us in this? How do you hold two emotions that are maybe completely opposite one, of, one another and really stand in that tension to get the most out of what God's trying to teach you in comparison to what's going on in your life?
1: <sighs> Krista, that's a great question.
0: Um, <laughs> Teach
1: us your wisdom. Tell us all the things. Ah, uh, Man, that is a fantastic question. I think when it comes to this concept of holding both, um, I think sometimes, especially as we're going through suffering, um, we can find our coping mechanisms, right? Like some people like to put silver linings on everything. Some people like to vent about things. Some people sulk, right? Like we all have different coping mechanisms as we go through life. And the first thing is like, (laughs) the Lord is with us, however we cope. Right. And so he just wants to be with us in the midst of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's not looking for us to like, have the like best, most meaningful experience from this low. Like he's not rushing us to like, get it together. He sits with us wherever we're at. And I think it's, Sometimes some of us, I think, might feel like we have to get it all together before we bring it to God um, of like, oh, I have to be in an okay state. And so that's when I'll bring myself to God. But it's like God wants to be with us in our grief. God wants to be with us as we mourn. God wants to be with us in our lowest of lows and our highest of highs. And he's not just waiting for us to get it together. That's not what he is. We can look at the story of Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And when they were grieving um, that their brother had just died, Jesus enters onto the scene and grieves with them. It says that he had the utmost compassion with them, right? Mm. And he sat with them. He, Even though he mm. knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead three days later, he sat with them. He didn't say, Mary, Martha, I'm going to raise him from the dead. Can't you just have a little bit more hope? Like he didn't didn't shame them. He didn't (laughs) condemn them. He just sat with them. And I think that for some of us, we feel uncomfortable with allowing people to really see us. And it's in those moments where we actually allow the Lord to really see us and to be comforted by his presence and knowing that we're not alone. I think that's where intimacy grows with him. And so I think going back to your original question, let's even take this example of Mary and Martha, right? Jesus was holding both. He was holding both being present with Mary and Martha in their grief, and also knowing that Lazarus Mm -hmm. would be raised from the dead, right? So in our situations of suffering, we we also know that at the end of the story, right, Jesus wins, that he comes back, that uh, God will redeem Mm -hmm. all things, that um, he will wipe every tear, right, from our eyes. And like, Like we will be restored in heaven, right? So we know how it ends. So we can hold this tension of being present with what's going on in front of us and also knowing the hope that's set before us. And so I think it's really like what it comes down to it, it's just being present. Mm. And I think that, you know, sometimes some of us can be so future-minded that we are only focused on like the outcome of something. And maybe that for us is like a justification of, oh, I don't have to feel this pain because I know it's all going to be okay. Um, but what would it also be like to be honest with ourselves And with God of like, what's going on in front of us? How do we um, look at everything almost like from a bird's eye view and say like, God, what is going on here? And it just a lot, like if we're present to that, then
0: I think we're going to get a lot out of it. That's so good. It's this weird balance though, where you don't want to be too futuristic in your like way of thinking, but you also want to be so futuristic where you're like coming from the lens of eternity, which is this weird thing where you can't get stuck in that middle ground because- If you look at life through that eternal perspective, you're like, all of this is in light of heaven. All this is in light of Jesus coming back. He's redeeming all things back to himself. But you also can't let that fact let you bypass all things that are happening in this world. I heard this terminology a few weeks ago and it really shook me and it actually really surprised me. And it said the idea of spiritual bypassing, where it's like, because you know how you're going to end one day back with Jesus in heaven (laughs) forever, you can then just bypass all the hard emotions of today, knowing that it's going to be okay down the road. But for me, I'm like, I'm fine. Like, God's going to come back. I don't need to sit in this hardship or this shadow side of who I am. When it's like, that's not at all how God wants you to live fully in the now. It's been really kind of interesting processing that more and trying to sit in it. I still have a long ways to go. I am not the best at all processing, but I'm getting Mm. better than I was years ago, which is great.
1: Um, Let's take it this way, even. Like, Krista, if you and I were together and you were telling me about a hard situation and I just was like – well, it's going to be okay. Like Jesus wins in the end. You wouldn't feel heard. You wouldn't feel understood. You'd probably be pretty frustrated. And you're like, what the heck? Like there's no empathy. There's no presence. There's no just sitting. And we do that to ourselves when we don't allow ourselves to like to sit, right? God isn't just like, oh, remember the truth. He wants to sit with us in the pain And he wants to speak truth out of it, but he's not shaming us to just get it together. And so I think that even too, like we can apply this with our relationship with the Lord. We can apply this with friends of when we're actually sitting with someone, are we just thinking about the next thing that we're going to say that's either going to like bring a truth of wisdom or bring correction or bring exhortation or whatever? Or are we actually just listening? And we're reflecting back to that person what we're hearing. And I think that mm. there's a major difference. And sometimes with us, we actually need to process something so that almost we can hear ourselves saying that exact thing. And the Lord might speak into that. Who knows? But mm. like giving ourselves that space and that presence is so important.
0: You're speaking so much truth, girl. A little like it's wisdom over there. there.
1: wisdom gal. <laughs> It's all Jesus, man. Can't take credit. Any personal experience.
0: just time, the secret place. Yep, that is. (laughs) The time of the Lord, which is great. Okay, I think my final question before I let you just share some random tips or thoughts you have before we sign off is on the other side of this idea of processing where I'm maybe more so on the side of choose to avoid it more so than choose to go into it. Is there like too much processing that's available? Like, can you actually like go too far deep into something and not move on to it? Is there a way to get stuck and like, Trying to figure out all the whys, the hows, and the what's that just moving on. What does that side of the spectrum look like?
1: <laughs> Krista while your side might be more like move on to the next thing. My side can be sit in it forever. You and I feel like are maybe on opposite spectrums. Really balance but for each other. Yeah, we really are. Like we bring out the like the past and the present and the future. And yeah, we got a good thing going. This is my sinful tendency is I can get too stuck in something because I'm trying to figure it out. And sometimes I can bring a situation to the Lord. And I think that that is totally, totally natural to, you know, allow the Lord to speak into it. But for me, I think it can get unhealthy when, even when I hear the truth of what he says, I'm still clinging on to the lies from the situation. And, or I'm trying to like research my way, out of it. Or I'm trying to say, well, if I just knew their motive, or if I just knew um, how I could like resolve this, like almost like I'm trying to be in control, which control is an illusion. We're never in control to start with. But I think for me, if I'm able to reflect on something so much, then I can figure it out. Then I can move on to the next thing. But really in life, sometimes you figure something out by moving forward in it. (laughs) and sometimes if we just get stuck in something, we can stay there forever. And, um, obviously that's an exaggeration, but I really think that there's validity to that of, uh, what does it look like? And I think that that's the beauty of like wise counsel and friends who know us who are like, Hey, you've talked about this, like, you know, every time we've hung out, (laughs) maybe how is God (laughs) acting you or like how is God prompting you to take a step mm. faith forward? Or um, what, let's just say there's like a conflict that you keep on like reaping on, which is totally fair to understand the situation. At what point do you just try to reconcile, right? Or yeah. at what point do you ask the Lord for forgiveness and let go and surrender, knowing that we can't figure it all out. And actually part of faith is trusting that God can take care of it (laughs) and that it's not all up to us. And so I think that that's the reminder. So maybe if you're on, you know, maybe Krista's side of the spectrum that likes to move forward of like, almost like that discipline of sitting and being present and reflecting and maybe if you're on my side where you're making all this space for reflection, maybe what does that look like to ask the Lord for action steps to move forward? That's so
0: good. <laughs> and then, too, early on, you said like, the dangerous part of processing too much is when you've heard the truth from the Lord and you're still holding on to the lie. I think that is why we end up staying in these harder spots because we don't choose to just believe God to be who he says that he is, taking him at his word and listening to his truth over lies in our head, which is like such a good way of looking at it.
1: And this is going to sound so simple, but I needed to hear it. And so I can imagine that somebody else needs to hear it. But when it comes to lies, just because you're hearing a thought doesn't mean that it's true. The reality is that we are never going to stop hearing lies, but it's what we do with them that matters. And so sometimes I think that almost like that spiritual bypassing, right, can look like, oh, I'm hearing all these lies. Oh, it must mean that I'm not in a great situation. But it's like, It's what we do with the lies that matters. And so when we actually take the time to, you know, rehearse the truth and speak that over the lies, or it's like stopping, you know, that lie and saying like, wait, I don't think that's actually accurate and almost like getting out of our heads. So it goes back to that notion of just because you hear a thought doesn't mean it's true. And especially, too, I think that we can get so caught up in even looking at people who are really strong in the faith, right? We can look at our mentors or leaders or pastors or speakers or whoever and say, wow, they are so unshakable. They must not hear lies. And that is just the biggest (laughs) lie is that everyone, everyone hears lies. It's just what we do with them that matters. And so if I hear a lie, I can stop that and be like, huh, I can bring awareness to this is a lie I keep hearing. Okay, God, what do you have to say about this lie? Um, or why am I hearing this lie? Or what's, what is the situation that's causing this? What's, what's the meaning behind this? Right. Um, but I think that that, that for me brought so much levity where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to stop hearing lies, which kind of sounds a little weird to be rejoicing in. But I think just knowing that like I'm human, I'm going to keep hearing lies, but it's, I can speak truth back at it. But that also requires me to know the truth. The biggest story in scripture that I constantly go to about this is when Jesus is in the wilderness and he's being tempted by the devil. And, you know, he tempts him with, you know, food and he tempts him with power and he tempts him with all these things. But the enemy speaks like scripture Hmm. to Jesus And so we can know scripture, but do we actually know the truth of what scripture is saying? Or do we just know the words? Are we just rehearsing, um, you know, what we grew up learning in elementary age of, you know, the scriptures back then? Or do we actually know how to apply Mm. them? Because the reality is that the enemy was tempting Jesus with scripture so he wasn't tempting jesus with lies he was tempting jesus with scripture Mm. but jesus knew that he was taking scripture out of context and spoke scripture back at the enemy and so it's almost like on us to be able to have our ammo like our ammunition of scripture uh the things that we know to be true that's why it's so important to not just know who we're not but also who we are what is our inheritance in the lord what is the truth about our identity how god says that we are beloved and so i think that that's so important to know just because Mm -hmm. i know for me for so long i was like oh when i get spiritually strong suddenly i will stop hearing lies and it's like that is a (laughs) fallacy Not that true. is actually just
0: not accurate you at all. attack more. Okay, so that was a great tangible tip, this idea of having an arsenal of scriptures speak back against the lies. Do you any other tips you want to leave us off with?
1: So two things come to mind. First is when it comes to processing, some of us process differently, right? Some of us process when we talk about things out loud. So even maybe that looks like for you to be able to utilize the voice memos on your phone or Marco Polo and just record your voice saying something and almost like (laughs) watching yourself say it back, it might actually help you reflect some things back. Um, It's almost like knowing your learning style. For me, it's reading and writing. And so for me to actually write paragraphs, that's where I find that the Lord is like taking hold of my pen and is bringing more insight and meaning. And I'm able to like visually see my writing. And that's actually a really helpful reflection process. Some people need to, sometimes paragraphs can be really overwhelming for people and people just need simplicity. And so I just want to encourage people to write out bullet points. It doesn't have to be that deep, you know, like Mm -hmm. just bullet points. This is how I felt. This was great. God, what do you want to do with it? You know what I mean? And so really just giving you like allowing yourself to be in tune with your own learning style or sometimes for people kinesthetic, right? Kinesthetic learning style that's walking around. Do you need to go on a prayer walk? Do you need to like walk around your living room? I can't tell you how many times I've just like walked around aimlessly around my house, just talking to God out loud because I just need to talk about something. Hopefully this at least gives some tools for how to even breathe things to the Lord. Cause you know, like when we hear that, like just lay it down at his feet, I think, Sometimes I'm like, how do I actually do that? And so hopefully that actually like unpacks. These are maybe ways to do it or write out prayers or sing prayers. So many experience God through singing songs, right? And so however you do that, that's great. The second kind of tangible tip is something that I kind of came up with a few years back. I was preaching a sermon on anger as someone who is deeply like introspective and processes. And I'm like, how do I make this simple? Um, So I came up with this model called FELT. F E L T. F is for facts. E is for emotion, L is for lies, and T is for truth. That's good. And we we have to start with the facts because so often we're just hearing the lie and then we're trying to figure out the, the facts based off of the lie instead of starting out with the facts itself of like, what actually happened here? And so, for example, let's just say there's a situation between me and Krista where we have a conversation and let's just say I walk away feeling like, hmm, that was interesting. So for me, it's really important for me to write down the facts. What actually happened? I said this. Then Krista said this. Then this is what happened when I was walking in my car. I don't know. Let's just say. So writing down the facts of that situation, then writing out the emotions. What was I actually feeling? So it's so important to actually name our emotions. Um, There's this really helpful tool called the feelings wheel. Sometimes for me, I'm like, oh, I felt weird about that. But I don't know. I don't feel... I don't feel sad. I don't feel mad. I just feel like weird, um, confused. I don't know. And so looking at that actually is a really helpful tool for me to even name my emotion. But let's just say, you know, Chris has said something and I walk away being like, wow, like I was deeply encouraged by that. I feel so thankful for that, right? And it's always important, like whenever you hear truth or affirmation from a friend, always bring that to the Lord, allow you to receive that from him because so often we can get actually caught up in like what. The truth from the people around us versus like receiving that truth from God. Or let's just say Krista says something and I'm like, oh, that kind of made me feel like shame or, you know, something like that, which, you know, that's not the case. This is just for the sake of an example, but it's actually really important for me to name what the emotion is. And let's just say I felt shame. Then I'm like, okay, what are the lies out of that? Oh, the lie was that I actually didn't feel, you know, capable or the lie was that I feel misunderstood or, you know, like naming the lies and then moving on to the truth is like, Oh, I feel misunderstood. Okay. Well, what's the truth? I'm deeply known by my father. And so actually my, my resolve comes from trusting Mm -hmm. that, you know, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Okay. So if I feel misunderstood I don't have to fight every single battle to feel understood. I can actually sit back and rest and trust that God is going to take care of me, that he goes before me, mm-hmm. um, that he will fight on my behalf and that I need so only to be still. Right. Reminded. And so it's like that process. And so I hope that that helps actually bringing things to the Lord in a less intimidating way. Um, so again, that's F-E-L-T, felt.
0: That is such a good and easy applicable tool to use. I'm going to do that today. I feel like it's going to happen. I need you to use the entire acronym today. It's so good, Kelsey. <laughs>
1: I do it every day, so I need it.
0: <laughs> it's really so good. Thank you so much for your time being on here today. Love and appreciate all your thoughtful responses. And Just like you said, you can speak about this because you've done this with the Lord in your own personal life. And friends listening to this, like Kelsey is someone who does what she talks about. She puts into action all of these things on a day-to-day basis. And she sits with God in really beautiful and inspirational ways. And so I'm praying that I leave this conversation and actually add this to my daily tasks to actually put this into action in my own life. And I pray and hope that you all do as well. So Kelsey, pray for us real quick as you say goodbye and all this kind of just blessing us with a hope and a hunger to process more of our lives. Jesus,
1: I just thank you so much for being with us. You are God, Emmanuel. You are God with us. You are Jehovah El Roy. You are the God who sees us. God, I thank you so much that we can depend on you for truth, for understanding. God, it's so clear in scripture that uh, many are the plans that we have, but it's your plans that succeed. God, that we are so quick to lean on our our own understanding. (laughs) But in all of our ways, you're asking us to acknowledge you because you will make straight our paths. God, I thank you so much for how you speak truth. God, how there is power in your word. God, how you get the final word. (laughs) God, I just pray for courage for each of us as uh, we muster up the confidence, that we muster up the discipline to be able to lay things at your feet, to give things to you, to make space to be present with the things that are happening in our life. God, because we know out of it, you are going to speak truth that there is glory on the other side of it, God, that yeah, that we can leave that time of processing knowing that you are with us, knowing that you are for us. And God, that that's enough. Jesus, you are enough. God, we thank you so much that we don't have to go through this life alone. We love you, Lord, and we we thank you. And um, it's in all these things that we say, that we do, we give glory to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: My soul needed to hear those words today. I just think that pressure in my head that I'm experiencing right now, I feel like I need to sit down and set aside 12 hours to process. It's just getting the best out of me. And her simple reminder that you can process in five, 10 minutes in the car, brings to the Lord, asking to share truth over it, which is such a an tangible and helpful thing for me to hear today and so I pray as we end this episode that you too are taking away a nugget or a little bit of wisdom or insight that can help you in your own journey of processing and looking back over all God has done in your life in this last year so we love you guys and we'll see you next week for an episode all about looking forward with expectation and a dreaming mindset towards what is to come in 2022